Okay, so now it's time for the, the actual message. Um, so this time we will send out the teachers first, if you want to head to the door. And then the kids can follow. But let's, as they're moving, let's pray. Father God, just thank you. Thank you for all that you are, for all that you do, and all that you have done for each one of us. Lord, thank you for the children. Lord, you call us children of God, but the children here are our children, and we trust that they are yours too. And we ask, Lord, as they go out, that you would speak and that you would minister your love and your glory and your grace. Help our children to know you. Help each one of us to know you more and understand what it means to be children of God. Lord, bless the teachers, Father God, those who, who feed so much into our kids. Lord, and all those who, who serve here, thank you for who you are, Jesus. May your will be done. Lord, speak through this message, speak through your Holy Spirit, and minister here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as they go up, now, you guys know that you are loved. Yeah, you've got that now? If you didn't know before, then you do now. Look, if you've never met Jesus, never experienced his love, never called him Lord, it really is worth it. You can hear about it, but knowing Jesus makes such a difference when it goes from your head into your heart. It changes your life. So if you've been thinking about getting to know Jesus, take the time to do it. It's a really simple thing. Just quietly in your heart respond to God, to his love, to the words that we heard before, and invite Jesus into your life. It's simply, well, it's that simple. Say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. If you need someone to talk to about knowing Jesus, if stuff has come up in that part or later on in the message and you need prayer or a chat, come to the front at the end of, end of the service or grab someone around you. There's people here to help you with that. But you know, one of the great things about being a Christian is that we know and we've encountered the love of God. We either know or we're learning to know what it means to be loved by God. We've become disciples, we're blessed, we're empowered, we're indwelt by the very presence of this loving God. In each one of us, the creator of the heavens and the earth dwells. He says, I want to live with you. Get that. In each one of us, the creator of the heavens and the earth wants to live. You, all of us together, are his temple. And he says, I will live with you and be with you forever. God calls us beloved. He calls us collectively his bride. And God came to earth. He died on the cross. He bore the fullness of God's wrath in our place. And then coming back to life, he sent his spirit to come and live within each one of us, to claim us as his own. Some days I ask why. It's incredible, really. It's profound to think about the mysteries of God and what he's done for us. How deep is God's love? But I have another question that comes to mind too. If Jesus saved us, if the victory is won, if he's gone back to heaven, then why has he left us here? Why has he left his church here on earth? 
And the answer is pretty simple. He's left us here for his own purposes, that we might continue to do what Jesus did, what he came to do. The work of the cross is done. We're not left here to do the work of the cross again. We can't do that again. But there was more to Jesus' purpose than just the cross. That's pretty central. And it's this purpose that Jesus has passed on to his church. This purpose, Christ, having saved us from the world, sends us back into it. I want to read a little bit of Jesus' prayer, his prayer to the Lord in the book of John, in chapter 17, verses 18 to 21. And oh, here it is. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That's us. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So what are we here for? We're here to continue Jesus' mission. So why did Jesus say he came to earth? I think two things, apart from the cross, stand out to me. And these were Jesus' words. In Luke chapter 19, he said, I came to seek and save the lost. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said, I came to call the sinners. That is, in using other words, Jesus has come to gather together the bride of Christ. Okay? When we hear the words, the lost, when we hear the words, sinners, do we see them as the bride of Christ? God does. That's what we're here for. And this kind of brings me back to that original question that Russ asked me in April. We're talking about church, about city mission, about sharing Jesus. And then Russ asked me, if I have to explain where to start with sharing the gospel, where would I start from? The beginning, good answer. In fact, I want to change that. It's not about sharing, because we think that's about talking. Where do we start when it comes to living Jesus in our community? Like many people, my first thought, it didn't go to the beginning, but it went to, oh, I've got to build relationships. We like that word, relationships. If I've got a relationship, I can share Jesus. But, you know, that's not the start. That's, you know, in the middle somewhere. It's a good place. But something comes before we can start to build a relationship with people. And I think the key to living Jesus is a little three-letter word called see. S-E-E. Living Jesus starts from the place of seeing somebody else. I don't mean knowing somebody's there. I can see a lot of you, but have I seen any of you? Do I know what's going on for you? Am I actually focused on the people around me? It's not knowing somebody's in the background or somebody's walking past. It's about seeing people as Jesus sees people. Seeing through the Father's eyes. But don't take my word for it. Let's look at Jesus for the example. Jesus taught lots about mercy He said, be nice to each other, care for each other, do good for each other, love your enemies. He talked a lot about the one another's. 
But Jesus didn't just talk. He lived it. He did it. He loved in words and he loved in deeds. And as he went, the message of the kingdom was delivered and people's lives were changed. Now, Scripture gives us specific instances when Jesus met an individual and interacted with them. The Gospel of John is kind of like one person after another meeting Jesus. But, you know, there's all these other times when Jesus just went and saw. And I want to look at Jesus' MO, how he operated. And this is what he did. Jesus walked. He just wandered on about his life. And then he saw. And then his heart responded with a strong emotion, usually compassion. And then he did something. He walked, he saw, he responded emotionally, and he did something. In the end of Matthew chapter 9, we read this, uh, verses 35 to 38. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this is a great verse, and we often read this passage, and we stop about here, and we say, yes, let's ask God to send people. And if we're talking missions and global missions, this one always comes up. And we should be asking the Lord to send out workers to the harvest. But what happened next? This is the end of chapter 9. And the verse 1 of chapter 10, guess what happens? Jesus calls the 12 disciples to him. He gives them authority. He gives them the message of the kingdom. And he sends them out. They didn't go overseas. They went to the towns and the villages around them. So what happened? Basically, Jesus says, come on guys, ask me to send people out. And they go, okay, Jesus, send people out. And he goes, all right, off you go. (laughs) He didn't send other people. He sent those same people. He sent the disciples who were with him, the ones who asked. Jesus sent those 12, and he didn't stop there. Because this is the mandate that he gave, and it's given to every disciple who would ever follow him. Not just to go overseas, but to go. To be his ambassador, that's up there. To be his priest, that's up there. To be the ones, the righteous ones, who go about continuing Jesus' purpose. So today, I want to try and get a few practical steps. Theory's good, but it's great if we can do something from it for each one of us of how we can live Jesus in our community. So four practical, easy steps to live Jesus, really, is to copy what Jesus did. So the first practical step is go about your life. Sounds easy, doesn't it? Do what you normally would do. Get up in the morning. In the afternoon, uh, whenever it is, go to work, go to school, go to the shops. Do what you normally do. Go into the middle of town, go on a holiday. It actually doesn't matter. Living Jesus is not dependent on where you are or what time of the day it is. Living Jesus is about wherever you are at any given time. So recognize This is what it means to live for God. It's part of the natural. It's not a ministry. 
You don't need to be in church. You don't need to be in a church ministry. You just be you wherever you are. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was an itinerant teacher. So he traveled from town to town, teaching as he went. He moved there. And this was his daily life, going from A to B to C. And as he was there, something happened. Jesus saw. He was walking along and he saw. And this is the second practical step. Probably the most important step in really motivating ourselves to live as Christ. Without this, the rest doesn't happen. Without this, we don't make relationships with the people who need Jesus most. Until we see. Until we see them as God sees them. To see them correctly. So that was my answer to Russ. If we don't see properly, we won't engage with people. And we'll miss the opportunities that God is giving us in our daily life to share him. And for Jesus, his ministry started at this point. How many times in the Bible does it say or imply Jesus was walking along, he saw the crowds, he had compassion, and then he stepped in and did something. He was moved to action because he saw people. He saw their needs, he saw their situation, and he saw them like that. See, when God looks at people, any people, he doesn't see what they do. He sees the heart of the Father, his heart, and he says, I love you. You are beloved. You are beloved. Let's have a look. What happened for Jesus? A Sermon on the Mount. How did it start? Jesus was walking along. He saw the crowds, so he walks up the mountain to somewhere where everybody can hear him. And he begins to teach. In Matthew 14, verses 13 and 14, we get this, this story of Jesus. Um, actually, the verse before basically says, Jesus was tired. <laughs> right? They'd been ministering, and they wanted to get away from the people. And so they departed by boat to be a deserted place by himself. He said, let's get away from the crowds. And he crossed over, but what happened? All the people ran around the lake, and when he got to the other side, the crowds were there. What did he do? Did he get back on the boat and go somewhere else? No. He saw the crowds. He had compassion. And he began to heal the sick. A bit later, he goes on and he feeds the 5,000. It's part of the same story, the same day. They chased him around the lake. They were tired, they were hungry. They'd listened to him teach for a while. Had seen the sick healed, and they were hungry. And Jesus again was, had compassion for them. The disciples were saying, send them home, get rid of them. Jesus had compassion. He said, no, no, you feed them. And he fed the 5,000. Matthew 20, Jesus was leaving town. Two blind men called out. Jesus saw them, and he healed their blindness. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. One assumes Jesus saw him climbing the tree so he could see past the crowds. He saw Zacchaeus. He had compassion for Zacchaeus. He went and ate with him and changed his life. The Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus saw her, had a conversation and changed her life. There's a pattern here. And the pattern is just going about life, seeing somebody, having compassion for them, and then stepping into that space. Showing mercy. But think outside the Bible. 
How many of you are here today because somebody saw you, had compassion, and shared Jesus Christ with you? That's why I'm here. I didn't grow up in the church, but somebody came to me and invited me along to church. Somebody shared the gospel with me. And that's why I'm here. And so many today, this thing is still happening when we see people and engage with them. The gospel will always change our lives. But remember, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, to call the sinners, which is everybody, which is all of us. And now he's called us as his disciples to go and do likewise. That is why the church is here. It's not so we can sing. It's not so we can worship. We'll worship far better when we get to heaven. We are here to sing and to worship and to pray and to share Jesus with those who do not know them, do not know God. Because God loves them. God loves everybody on this planet. Even those who will never accept him. God's love for them and his promises to them are there. So anyway, coming back to seeing... As you read the Bible, you realize that seeing is important to Jesus. A number of times he taught about sight, he taught about blindness. Um, he was always having a go at the Pharisees for being blind. You can't see, he kept saying. You don't know what you're doing. He continually had a go at him because they were caught up in their religion, in their traditions, and they missed God's heart. Unlike Jesus, the Pharisees could not see the beloved child of God in the sinners and the tax collectors. The Pharisees were heaping unworth on those who already felt unworthy. They were pushing people away from God. They decided who was worthy of God and who was not. Jesus called them blind guides, blind to God and blind to the people around them. Seeing like Jesus is about seeing with God's eyes. As humans, we're really bad at seeing people. If I'm honest, at least I am. Hopefully the rest of you are. Um, no, hopefully you're not. But um, my experience of people says we're pretty bad at seeing other people. We're naturally blind to one another. Mostly because we're selfish. And our lives are self-centered. Self-centeredness blinds us to the people around us. We don't see what's outside of our own moment. We've got things happening in here, possibly got families or kids running around. We're, we're everywhere and we're moving through people. We're moving past people, but we are not seeing them. Self-centeredness affects our motivations. It dictates, dictates our actions or our inaction. It makes us focus on ourselves. So when we see people, that our thoughts and our interactions are based around ourselves. We see them and we're thinking, oh, I wonder what they can do for me. Or what might they do to me? A bit of fear comes in sometimes. Or what's it going to cost me to help this person? Am I going to be late? Oh, got to get to where I need to be. Shh, keep going. Put your head down. Keep walking. Or maybe, what is it? There are things that stop us from seeing people. And often it's ourselves. Can we put down ourselves and start to see the people God has put us around and start to see them as God sees them? So in order to see clearly, we need to be God-centered, to step out of our self-centeredness, to look at other people from God's point of view, 
And as we think about how God sees us, those things on the board, isn't that how God sees everybody? Doesn't God call every single human being his child, his beloved? He doesn't look at their actions. In his heart, they are his children. And his desire is that every single person will be saved. Even though, sadly, they're not. But he wants them to be. So he's saying, save as many as possible. That's what we're here for. And when we start to see people as God sees them, we see that they are just like us. They are broken. They are helpless. They struggle with feeling worthy of anything. Often they're lonely, anxious, struggling just like you and I. They're in need of a saviour. The only difference is that we've already found Jesus and they have not. What difference can Jesus make to our lives and what can he make to theirs? When we read the Bible, we often look at Jesus, especially the Gospels, and we see the Pharisees and this big religious narrative almost of Jesus versus the Pharisees. It's great. And we see the teachings of Jesus. But do we stop and consider the people that Jesus helps? Or are they just background to the story? When Jesus goes along and heals the blind man, Do we have compassion for the blind man? Or do we just go, Jesus came along, woohoo, miracle. Do we see the miracle? Or do we have compassion for the person who was healed? Often we miss them. Do we consider what life would be like for a leper, shunned, forced to live outside of the town? Or the pain of the father whose child keeps getting thrown into the fire by that evil spirit? Do we think of their heart and their pain? Or do we go, woohoo, Jesus cast out a demon? Or the man driven to insanity by, by a legion of demons, forced to live in caves and graveyards? Do we go, woohoo, Jesus cast out the demons? Or do we see the man who was troubled? Do we have the compassion that Christ had? What about the lame man who'd never walked? The woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years? How did they live and survive in society? The poor widow, the slave, the soldiers. Do we have compassion? Or do we just gloss over and look for the miracle? See, in God's eyes and in God's heart, they're as much his beloved child as you and I. Jesus saw them as his beloved But he saw them as his beloved who is suffering. See, he saw them like that. He saw their suffering and he stepped in to help them. Seeing them stirred compassion. And that caused Jesus to step in and minister. And as he ministered, he declared the kingdom of God is near. Next time you read in the Bible, pay a bit of attention to the people that Jesus was helping. Who are the characters? Who are them? They're not just background. They're not just filler. They're not just NPCs. These are the people who God loves, who he calls his children. And realize that those people are still with us today. Step outside the door and they're there. Do we have compassion for the hurting? Do we have compassion for the lonely? 
for the homeless, for the addicts, for the person next door? Do we see them as beloved children of God? Do we recognize them as the prodigal sons and daughters who've yet to come home? God is the Father waiting, watching for them coming. Are we like the brother, ignoring them? Or are we like the Father, waiting for them to come home? As God's people, we need to learn to see, to look a little bit closer, to be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit as we go. Maybe there's someone or something that God is wanting us to see. Is somebody's eyes more downcast than normal? You can usually see that. Do you pass the same person on the way to work each morning? Maybe you're standing at the same set of traffic lights every morning. Have you ever said hello? Have you ever made, paid attention to who's there around you? Does somebody look troubled? Look like they need to talk? Like they need some help? Who do you see? Or do we stand at the traffic lights and only see the green man or the red man? <laughs> do we see the people standing around us? As we see people who may not be like us, who might have a different value set, a different lifestyle, how do we see them? As God sees them, the same way he sees us? Do we recognize that they are just like us in the eyes of God? That they are of equal worth to God as we are? Do these words on the whiteboard apply to them too? Well, honestly, that's why we wrote them. We did it for us, but no, we didn't. We did it for the people out there. It was good for us. It's nice to remember. It's nice to sit in that space. But that is exactly what God thinks and feels about the rest of humanity. Do we see the beloved child of God when we see the homeless, the foreigner, the criminal, the kids walking to school or the person next door? The guy who cuts you off as you're driving along. Do you see them as beloved of God. Lance does, that's good. Um, I try, not always. Um, <laughs> we need to learn not just to look, but to see, and to see as God does. Listen with an ear to the Spirit and seek God's heart for that person. Not how does God see what they do, but who does God see that they are. And if you need a hint, the overriding answer is always love. Because that's who God is. So the third step is emote. We've seen, we've walked, we've seen. Now emote. Get your heart involved. We'll go through the last couple fairly quickly. Get your heart involved and have some compassion. Let what you see, what you hear from God, challenge your heart. Let it get an emotional response. No, don't chuck a tantrum or panic and run away, but let God's emotion for them become your emotion. God's love for that person becomes your love for that person. God's compassion for them becomes your compassion. God's desire for something good for them becomes your desire to see something good happen for them. Feel God's love. Feel God's compassion. And let that guide you to respond. Because that's what Jesus did. Walking through towns, seeing the crowds, having compassion, and stepping in to minister. Compassion always brings 
an active response. If there's no response, it's not compassion, it's pity. We go, oh dear, poor you, and keep going on with our own little life. That's not compassion. Compassion goes, oh, you poor thing, let me help you. Let me step into this place and do something. Compassion is active. And when it's active, we respond. Which is obviously the, the last step. Step four, act. Really, this is where the rubber hits the road. It's fairly simple. This is where you make a difference in someone else's life. Having seen them, having engaged with God's heart, having been motivated by compassion, we can actually do something then. Whatever it is, whether it's a practical thing to help them, whether it's striking up a conversation, whether it's praying for them, whatever it happens to be, praying with them even, there are things that we can do once we have God's heart. The Spirit ministers and we know how to respond. This is when our faith becomes faith plus action, faith plus deeds, when it becomes real. But to be effective... What we do needs to be focused on the person we're ministering to. Not around ourselves, not around what we think or how we think we should, even how we've been trained we should share Jesus with people. It's rarely a case of have compassion and recite the four spiritual laws to them. It's rarely have compassion and say, come to church on Sunday. No. Because that's centered around us. What we think, what we know, what we do. Center how you help around where they're at. Step into their life. And then, when you're there, you can start to develop that relationship that will lead to ongoing open doors to the gospel. But first, we have to see them. To see people as God sees them. So the question is, do we? Do we see them as God sees them? Them. It's awful, isn't it? Do we see the people out there our brothers and sisters, our family and friends, our colleagues, fellow children of God who are yet unredeemed. There are thousands of people in our community crying out for help. Some are crying with words or with tears and sounds. Others are crying silently, wondering where the help will come from, wondering where the next meal might come from, wondering where they'll sleep tonight, wondering if anybody will talk to them. Wondering how their life got so bad, maybe they should go and end it. Just wondering why they're always just upset. Wondering why they've got so much money but no friends. So many things. So many people. What they really need is Jesus. To know who they were created to be. Can we as God's people see with the eyes of God? Can we attribute these words on the whiteboard, all those lovely things that we came up with before, to the people around us, to those not yet Christians, even to those may never become Christians? Can we love them regardless, like Jesus does? And then can we turn that love into action? So where do we begin sharing Jesus with our community? Same place Jesus did. Walk, go about your life. See, see people as God sees them. Emote, let your heart stir, or let God's heart rather, stir your heart with compassion. And then act, do something about it. It doesn't have to be big things. It can be the littlest thing. It can be a smile. It 
to somebody you're walking past. If we don't know how to see, the best thing to do is ask. Ask God for eyes that see. Ask God for opportunities each day. Start your day in prayer for ways you can live Jesus in the day and watch as God opens up opportunities before you. But it starts by seeing. Seeing people as God sees you. So who will you see this week? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you see us as you see us, and you don't see us as we see ourselves. Thank you that you declare us worthy, that you declare us beloved, that you have chosen to call us your children. You've adopted us. You've saved us. You've gone to the cross that we might be with you. Lord, without you, we would be nothing, have nothing, and really are able to do nothing. Without you, we wouldn't even be here. Lord, help us to see the people around us as you see them, as you see us. Help us to know how to live you, how to fulfill your purposes on earth, how to be your church, to be your bride. Lord, we can't do it in our own strength. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, your very presence in us, that you gave to mark us as yours, but that you gave to empower us to live your purpose here on earth. And so, Lord, we pray for each other. Lord, for your people all over this city even. And, Lord, we pray for those around us, our family and friends, our neighbours, the people in the streets, those who do not yet know you. And we pray that they would come to know you. Help us to see them as you see them. Help us to call them beloved. Stir our hearts, Lord. Stir our hearts to compassion. And guide us as we respond. Bless us for your glory, Lord. Use us for your purpose. And bring your kingdom. Lord, may you, for each one of us in the week to come, may you open up opportunities. Help us to see the people around us and help us to minister you. Thank you when we praise you and we look forward to what you will do. Amen.